We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. Back today, Jack Manuel and regular on the show, Will Jackson. Guys, how we doing? Good to be back, homies. Great to talk more Nets with you guys. And we had to do another show because just more rumors keep coming every single day. We got to keep on top of it. And, you know, we like the interaction with you guys. So feel free, free to drop questions, thoughts in the chats. As always, you can check us out. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, NetsRepublic.com, and YouTube, obviously. And as well, check out the Brooklyn Buzz Gear design tree slash off the glass. But, guys, more rumors to talk about. Obviously, Jack wasn't here yesterday. So first off, let's get your reaction on the Torian Prince trade slash Alan Crabtree yesterday, Jack. All these trades and transactions happen while I'm asleep most of the time. <laughs> so, like, for me, I'm like, it's 4 a.m. and I've got, like, a list of Bleacher Report notifications. And I'm always, like, searching for something Nets related. And I say, oh, what? Alan Crabtree. So I, like, wake up at, like, 4.30 a.m., scroll Twitter and, and peruse it. And, and, and my immediate reaction is, like, oh, Torian Prince. Oh, Will did an article about that. Um, and I was just... And then obviously having some time to process it and, you know, listen to you guys and the buzz as well, talk about it. Uh, I'm pretty positive on it. And I, I mean, I've said before in the past that uh, I'm not necessarily positive on selling your own assets to get rid of something that you've done poorly, which is what, obviously what Sean Marks did um, with Alan Crabb, obviously offering him the contract. His Instagram reaction wasn't necessarily the best, but he should be thankful that he's got that money uh, from Sean Marks in the first place. I also think it'll be a good spot for him to play. I think that alongside Trey Young, and if he's healthy, I think the Atlanta Hawks would be a really nice team. Uh, and in, in terms of acquiring Torian Prince, he's going to start. He's going to be a probable starter. Obviously, uh, you know, you, you, you're way into the, the fact that the Kevin Durant, Tobias Harris, all these are the free agency rumors. But Torian Prince is a starting player. You know, a guy who can play three or the four, um, has shot 39% from the, from the three-point line, a guy that would just be perfect in, in our system. Uh, and is a former you know, Atlanta Hawk, and is on a nice little cost-controlled deal as well. Not a lot of money for a guy like him. So I think it's positive all around. The, the two, obviously, picks are a little bit much, um, I guess, if you want to look into it. But I think that the fact that they are lottery-protected, when it's obviously the 17th pick this year, um, I don't think it's too bad. And I think it's really a, a win-win deal for both parties. Yeah, I mean, I said it last night. I'm really excited to see what uh, Kenny can do with him in his system. I mean, whether that's at a small ball four or playing the three, I think he is going to start. I think it's kind of going to take on what Damari was doing last season, and Damari's not necessarily going to come back. But overall, I mean, I'm just excited that he's, like, coming to this team because I know he spent a little bit of time with the Long Island Nets a few years ago. Yeah. So I'm just ex- so I know the Nets like him, and I'm excited to see. So obviously, he must have been a target for the Nets, as I wrote about in my article. Just <laughs> giving myself a shout-out there. No, but I'm excited to see what the Nets can do with this guy. I mean, he has good stats. He's a good defender. Uh, I'm just excited to see what Kenny can do with him. I think he's a great defender. Um, 
I, I remember just reading about him and, and because obviously he was sort of one of those targets that you've been talking about, Will. I think that's an area where he can really improve. And I think it's an area that I think Coach Kenny's going to probably focus on for him because, you know, wing defense, I think, is one really important sort of aspect of our play. You know, for right now, if, it seems likely, you know, if Kyrie Irving will talk about him. But if you have him in a starting lineup with Kyrie Savert, Kyrie Irving, um, and, and you have, you know, Torian Prince playing the three or the four, um, next to a guy like Kyrie Savert, I think that can be a really nice defensive sort of team. I think Torian Prince has a ways to go. He's got all the tools. He's got the size. Uh, but I think he just needs those, you know, those tangibles uh, and a little bit of extra coaching, which I know that the Nets have in spades. Yeah, I think he fills a role, obviously, like we talked about yesterday for the team that they really need, regardless if they get the star free agents or not. And like you mentioned, Jack, he was good as year one and year two. Last year, he kind of took a step back. He has the tools to be a good defender. He just needs to put it together and get some coaching. But you mentioned Kyrie. Obviously, speculation was big after the trade yesterday, even picked up a little bit more today. It seems like teams are uh, kind of, uh, you know, activating for free agency in the, in the way that Kyrie is almost a lock to go to the Nets. That's how teams are interested in or pursuing it. And there are also reports came out today that Kyrie is trying to persuade Kevin Durant to come to the Nets. What do you make of all this? Well, first, I want to go back to when you said um, Kyrie is a lock to go to the Nets. Nothing is a lock before the deadline is signed. I mean, you that's heard just it. That's just, that's just the way I'm going to view free agency. You know, I'm not very – I mean, last night I said Kyrie to the Nets, in my eyes, 85%. And I still stand by that. But just – I'm still not going to believe that the Nets are going to have a superstar player like that until he signs the deadline. But in terms of Kyrie, you know, possibly recruiting Kevin Durant to the Nets, obviously, I don't know if you saw Kevin Durant's Instagram story today where he said, you know, I think he said something like news is fake or some, something along the lines of that. But, I mean, whatever it is, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are friends. And if Kyrie is coming to the Nets, I'm sure he can probably convince Kevin Durant to do it. But, again, I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Yeah, I think that uh, Will has listened to the buzz a little bit too much because uh, his pessimism is shining through in his tone. That uh, It reminds me a little bit of myself. Um, now, I, I think that obviously it seems incredibly likely and, you know, that 85% probably will is probably on the mark. But, you know, plenty can change. You know, we've still got, you know, around a month or so until free agency does begin. And, and plenty can change between then. You know, if Kevin Durant's like, look, Kyrie, let's just go to the Knicks, my dude. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, searching around, you know, Manhattan for those players places he's saying hi to his uh, old schoolyard crossing guard you know, he's posting a little bit on instagram these days he's hanging out at clubs not with the brooklyn nets but in the same vicinity as brooklyn nets players um 40 40 um you know wish i was there it was a, a little bit disappointing <laughs> that mike scott i didn't report that about me either um but this is just you know just the whole you know uh, free agency speculation is just Splendid. You know, I, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm eating it up. I, I know that it can get a little bit out of control sometimes, but I put out like a tweet, you know, this is like last week and it's still getting like likes and retweets. I get high on life, drugs, and Brooklyn Nets free agency rumors. And it's got like hundreds of likes. And I think that it just personifies everything that's happening with Nets Twitter right now. And, you know, I think Kyrie Irving, you know, it seems stronger and stronger and stronger. It seems to me like he's like, I'm going to the Nets. Someone else come with me. Uh, and I'm going to throw up the name Jimmy Butler as well, because I think that, you know, that rumor begun, you know, July last year. You know, obviously it was shot down by Kyrie and Jimmy themselves. You know, it sprung back up to an extent because of certain people, maybe a little bit me. I put it out there because I think that I would like Kyrie and Jimmy on a team together. I think that they would work super, super well. Um, and obviously Kevin Durant would be amazing as well. He's the best player in the freaking world. Um, but, you know, we can't discount all these other guys. Um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. I'm a Kevin Durant fan. Uh, I'm a D'Angelo Russell fan too. I'm not going to put that out there. I'm not going to not put that out there either. Yeah, I think the one positive that came out today is the fact NBA executives are acting as if Kyrie's not necessarily a lock, but a favorite to go to the Nets. Like Will said, it's not until they sign the dotted line. Obviously, a lot of things can change. But the fact is, and Woj said this on ESPN today, if Kevin Durant wants to play with Kyrie, it's likely that he'll end up in Brooklyn. That's yeah. you know, It's more likely that if he wants to play with Kyrie, he's going to be in Brooklyn instead of uh, New York being the Knicks. So I think that's a positive takeaway. And it looks like the Nets are trying to get Kyrie because they can use Kyrie at their pitch table to, hey, we're going to bring this other star, like Jack mentioned. Maybe it's not Kevin Durant, maybe it's Jimmy Butler, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Has your confidence, obviously, we were pretty high on it yesterday, Will, increased a little bit from Woj's reports, or is it still around the same? Same thing for you, Jack. How are you feeling about the possibility? I know going into probably in April, it seemed not like a long shot, but it would seem like very 
not very unlikely, but a possibility that they would end up here. Do you feel different now? You know, uh, go, Will. Go. All right. So I know in um, Woj's little stint on first take this morning, he said if KD and Kyrie team up, it's more than likely going to be in Brooklyn. But I just I don't see it. So I'm I'm going to say no. It hasn't really increased that much. I mean, I think it has to to an extent um, because this is no longer Stephen A. Smith, Colin Cowherd reporting it. You know, we've got the, you know, Nets Daily's pooch has been reporting it for, for months on end. And now we've got the most credible source, you know, in NBA journalism and Adrian Wojnarowski reporting it. So there has to be at least some link to it. You know, obviously the Clippers seem to be gaining a little bit of traction too. Um, you know, just a, a little side note. I would love if the quote-unquote little brother organizations get all the free agents and leave the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets out and the New York, New York Knicks out in the dark, you know, f- fun, you know, trying to get the scrounges of DeMarcus Cousins and Nikola Vucevic so they can sign someone in free agency. Uh, you know, just, but that's obviously a little tidbit. But <laughs> I think, um, I, I remember, I think it was probably this time last week, you know, when we were recording, Nick, you know, my confidence was somewhere like, nine percent for Kevin Durant I think that that certainly goes to the double digits now you know it'll probably be closer to the 20 percent mark um so uh, it's been a week and that confidence has already changed you know within a week if Kevin Durant doesn't play or you know he has to you know because the, the the rumor was that or obviously again this was put out by Stephen A. Smith if the Warriors lose Kevin Durant's more likely to stay if the Warriors win he's more likely to leave I, I don't think either one really affects it um but, you know, you, you judge by what the rumors are out in the in, in the NBA, you know, ethos, so to speak. Um, I'm more confident, but, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, you know it, uh, put my house on the fact that Kevin Durant is going to be wearing the black and white. But um, the fact that we're even, you know, one of the, it's still, I'm going to keep, keep repeating it. You know, it was just, you know, four seasons ago that uh, we were a franchise, you know, on its knees uh, due to some, you know, poor you know, management and, and poor trades and poor free agency execution. And now we are one of the premier teams for the superstar free agents. You know, the Jimmy Butler sort of saga, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, you know, when we were linked to those guys, it's like, this is this is the moment. The Nets are back and we've had the good playoff run. Um, and who would have thought that this would come in, in the space of such a short span of time? Um, I, I think it's you know really positive. And I think that this could determine in a lot of ways for, for a lot of Brooklyn Nets fans, the, the short-term and long-term future and viability uh, and, and fan base for this Book of Nets team, a lot can happen and in one free agency and it can really determine, you know, the short and long-term trajectory of a franchise. It's going to be incredibly important. Sean Marks has a lot of work to do. Yeah, I think uh, this, this offseason obviously could change the franchise forever. You know, if you get Kyrie and Katie, you instantly become a contender to win a championship. And obviously we know what championships can do for a team. And just to talk about my confidence level, the fact it comes from Woj, I think, always gives you a little bit more confidence because he's not going to say things that are negative. And then the fact is that people are acting like Kyrie's a lock to come to the Nets. It kind of just helps him at the negotiating table where now it's like, all right, maybe Katie wants to go to the Knicks, but he's con- he was already considering the Nets, like you mentioned. Pooch reported that months ago that he was going to get a meeting with the Nets we're going to get a meeting with him. But now they have Kyrie at that table as well. It's like, all right, we're going to come here. We have some other good pieces. And obviously the reports about the 40-40 club were conflicting. Some people say he was with Nets players. Some people say he wasn't. Whatever it may be, there is a connection there. And if you have Kyrie at the table and you have Sean Marks at the table and the Nets organization and the culture that they've kind of come up over the last couple of years, players want to be there. Maybe it's just enough to convince Kevin Durant to come and be like, all right, you know, MSG is cool, but we could do this in Brooklyn. We could do this in Brooklyn, and we're still going to be in New York, and it's still going to be a splash. Yeah, and I mean, I've said this, Nick has said this, Jack has said this countless times on the pod, just, you know, the fact that Sean Marks and, um, you know, the owners have been able to turn this organization around so fast. I mean, compared to, like, you see other franchises who have been, like, struggling for so many more years just like a team like the Knicks a team like the Suns and like then you look at the Nets and you see like you know in 2015 they were in the playoffs and then they hit the lowest of lows that you can hit and all of a sudden 2019 they're back in the playoffs I mean that's just amazing and then this whole free agency stuff this started not like mid-season when the Nets were like contending for a playoff spot no this started in like September before the season when Jimmy Butler put out a list of teams that he could go to and Brooklyn was on that list so I mean just to see that as a Nets fan like, not only was this starting when the team was in the playoffs, this started before the season, before anyone knew that the Nets could win 42 games in the season. So that, that's just amazing in my eyes. Yeah, it's just the culture. And like you mentioned, the front office has done an amazing job. But kind of getting back to what Jack had mentioned before, if KD were not to come with Kyrie and Kyrie were to come and he wanted to bring another star, what would be some possibilities you guys are looking at? You know, 
Uh, Jack, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I guess um, I'll hark back to, to what I said a few minutes ago, boys. I, I think Jimmy would be, you know, the number one sort of guy in that sort of aspect. I remember putting out uh, a tweet early in the week of Tobias Harris, Kyrie Irving, um, who would you and Jimmy Butler, who would you want to offer the max to? You know, Kyrie Irving gained a lot more traction than I thought he would. I, I'd personally, you know, in that in the current system, I'd pr- prefer to give it to Jimmy Butler. Um, so for me, Jimmy Butler is is option number one. Uh, obviously, you've got guys like Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris that you can offer the money to. I think that it's it's a little less unlikely for Chris Middleton. I think that you know the Milwaukee Bucks would need to do everything that they want to to keep him. Um, but I think that there's a likelihood that Tobias Harris could be got by someone. Uh, and I think the Brooklyn Nets will probably be the number one sort of destination in that sort of uh, regard. You know, this team's probably like the Utah Jazz and some other teams that need another sort of scorer and another wing presence uh, that would certainly offer him some money too. But I think the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are in New York, obviously, uh, gives them that little bit of boost too. So I think that those are the, the main guys that sort of stand out. Uh, there's a lot of other sort of mid-tier sort of guys that you can talk about. Um, but I think that uh, above that, I, I, I'm, I'm still... I still really want to keep D'Angelo Russell. Uh, you know, Nick and I have talked about our sort of jersey slash t-shirt jersey curse. When I was in America last, I got one of the Nets Kuyi, you know, D'Angelo Russell tees. Uh, I don't want him to go. Um, and, and it seems to me that, you know, this could be the way that it happens. And um, it, it's going to be interesting, obviously, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving doesn't necessarily work on paper. Um, but on paper, a lot of things don't work at the end of the day, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to be Kyrie and someone in my eyes, it would be D'Angelo Russell. That Just because of what D'Angelo Russell has done here. And, you know, we've seen him grow and we've seen him into this player who can high-five Kenny Atkinson. So, in my eyes, it's <laughs> going to be him first. Just in, But, you know, when you look at guys like Jimmy Butler, I mean, Jimmy Butler is better than D'Angelo Russell right now. It's just something that, like, in terms of defense, in terms of just all-around ability, Jimmy Butler is the better player. So, if you have the opportunity to pair Kyrie Irving with Jimmy Butler, I think, you might have to consider doing it over D'Angelo Russell. And then Tobias Harris is another guy who really stands out. Obviously, he's from Long Island. He has a connection to the Nets. He's at a position that we desperately need help at. So I think for me, it's going to be, you know, D'Angelo Russell is number one just because he is a net already, because he is restricted, because he is kind of the face of the turnaround of this organization. But after him, it's kind of a toss-up. I'd say Jimmy Butler, two, and Tobias Harris, three. And then after that, I think you guys just keep the roster how it is. So if you guys had a choice of either, you know, going to the summer, I got another question for you after this as well. If it was either Kyrie and D'Lo or Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, what are you rolling with? Kyrie and Jimmy Butler. Um, mm. I, I mean, it hurts me to sort of say it um, in the fact that, yeah, D'Angelo Russell's the guy that was sort of built in. And, you know, obviously at the end of the day, all three of us are, are huge fans of this organization to varying degrees. Um, but purely objectively as a, a basketball thinker and, you know, the, the team that can be the most successful, uh, I think it's Kyrie and Jimmy. Um, obviously, I think that they give them, they balance each other out, you know, just that little bit better, um, you know, probably a lot better to be honest. Um, but I think at the same time, the offensive, you know, possibilities with Kyrie and D'Lo, you know, are endless, but the defensive possibilities are endless on the negative side. Um, yeah. Whereas I think Jimmy Butler has proven himself to be a quality defender. Uh, obviously, he can struggle a little bit at the, against the smaller guards, those quicker sort of guards, but he can guard a little bit bigger too. So, uh, I, I mean, I would rather have those two, but, you know, to be honest, uh, I'd probably prefer to have D'Lo and Jimmy. Um, I think that there's still some worries to me uh, around Kyrie Irving's health a little bit. Um, he hasn't necessarily been healthy for many seasons in his career. Um, he has had some lingering issues. You know, DeAndre Russell has had his issues too, but a lot of his have been sort of, sort of collision, sort of freak injuries to an extent. Whereas Kyrie's have sort of lingered somewhat, um, and he's going to get paid no matter what. He is a top ten, top fifteen talent. Now, DeAndre Russell hasn't proven that yet, and will he ever get to to the level of Kyrie Irving? Who knows? Um, but I, I think a lot of the things, you know, I think that we've developed such a an intense sort of fondness and bond for a guy that we've sort of seen grow within our organization. So I think that to see him be let go, some people are comparing it that it would be the worst move in Sean Marks' tenure. I don't think it would be that bad, um, but we do have his, you know, obviously restricted rights. So at the end of the day, you know, he can be a Brooklyn net if we want him to be. It all just depends on what happens in free agency and where D'Lo stands, where Kyrie stands, where KD stands, where Jimmy stands, where all these sort of guys stand. So uh, for me, it's Kyrie and Jimmy in this sort of scenario, Nick. That's what it would be for me as well. And I think Nets fans, I understand the relationship you have with D'Angelo Russell. 
We need to understand Kyrie Irving is one of the best players in the NBA. There's no guarantee D'Angelo Russell is going to even ever get to that level. And Kyrie's already proven it. You know, he's already won a championship. He's already hit big shots in the finals. And Jack and I talked about this when we we're discussing the D'Lo and Kyrie pairing. But then adding Jimmy Butler, the one thing I'd really love about Jimmy Butler is I feel like he'd be a perfect mentor for Karis LeVert. Karis oh, LeVert man. could learn so much from him. He could kind of take his game to the next level. Jimmy could help him get to that level because Jimmy Butler, when he came to the NBA, was not supposed to be this player. He worked his way to get to that level. Karis, we know, has a great work ethic, and there's no reason that he can't help Karis get to the level that he's at. So I'd be really excited about that. And obviously, we're more sure with the relationship between Kyrie and Jimmy Butler than we are with the relationship between D'Angelo Kyrie, D'Angelo and Jimmy Butler, because Kyrie and Butler do have past experiences with Team USA and obviously just being around the NBA for a while. Now, another question for you guys, do you think any way there's a possibility that they could link up Kyrie and Kawhi or in Kawhi's a lock to go back to Toronto in your eyes? Go, uh, Will. Yeah, so I was going to say, I, I think Kawhi is more than likely going back to Toronto just with the rumors of him buying a property in the city. He's got and one in, think, in California as well, my friend. I remember doing that on JBT months ago. I love I love the property, though. It, it's fun because it wasn't Kyrie Irving as well. Kyrie um, bought one in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. And then bought one in Manhattan. It, and yeah, Kyrie was seen, there was literally a photo of him with some agent saying it's the biggest smile they've ever seen on him. <laughs> Ever. I'm just like, come on, man. Let's let's just. Dude, he won an NBA championship and he was ecstatic. So, like, what? Right. And he is going to be getting paid, like, you know, over nearly you know two hundred million dollars, one hundred fifty million dollars uh, to play basketball. And you know, he's he's back in in a, in a in a home and and in a city that's one of the you know the best places to be in the world. So he's happy, and you know, he can afford any house probably you know in New York. So I think that that would make anyone happy uh, because you know we know that you guys would know as well that. Uh, New York rent prices that they don't come cheap. Yeah, no, but uh, back to my point, Nick. I have a question. Can Toronto offer Kawhi the fifth year? Yeah. Yes. All right. So I think with that, I think Toronto can offer him the most years, the most money. I think that Kawhi is more than a lock to go back to Toronto next season, especially if they win the championship, which I think they will in seven. I said it. Oh, well, this isn't the outlet, but there's a spicy take on the finals. <laughs> um, I mean, depending on what happens with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, that could be a, a real possibility. But um, Kawhi, I, I think there, it's more likely he goes back to Toronto, but I'm not closing the door on him possibly leaving. Kawhi's an interesting guy. We've probably seen more footage of him over the last month than we have, like, his entire career. And it seems like he hasn't necessarily made a decision yet. And obviously, we know he's kind of influenced by his family in that situation. So, something to always keep an eye on. He's a mushroom. He's a fun guy. Um, <laughs> Did you see I'll... the latest interview with Rachel Nichols or no? No, it happened this morning. I've got to, I've got to check out the jump today before the game starts. Yeah, it was good. It was. He says I'm a fun guy. <laughs> I, I, I think that in terms of we've seen some rumors as well um, that the Knicks are now, you know, changing tack and, and wanting to get some meetings with Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, I would rank them probably on the same level as the Nets in terms of likelihood of landing Kawhi. Obviously, it's hard to know. You know, even with interviews, he doesn't give much away. Uh, I'm still on the Clippers bandwagon in terms of you know not that I want him to land in the Clippers. I just think he will. Um, I think that there is. You know, there was this mini sort of Instagram live video with his sister or, or some family member. And in the background, his uncle was saying something like, oh, he ain't staying there. Um, so, you know, he could let – I think it's it's a race between two for me. Uh, but I think Toronto probably has, the, you know, the, the the foot in the door in, in, in the greatest sort of um, amount of possibilities. But uh, I'm, I'm on the Clippers sort of bandwagon. I think the Nets are in with a shot. But, you know, percentage-wise, you know, I was 9% last week for Kevin Durant. I'd be 4 or 5 for, for Kawhi Leonard, uh, if that. Yeah, I think uh, I would probably put the Clippers and Raptors in a different tier. And then after that, I think the Nets have probably a slight nod over the Knicks just because of the relationships they already have established with Kawhi. But I don't think it's substantial. If he were to go to the Knicks or the Nets, I would be somewhat surprised. But I wouldn't rule it out as a complete you know, non-possibility. But what did you guys think about um, D'Angelo Russell, the report that he'd be willing to wait for the Nets if they do not land the two stars and come back to the team? You know, I think this says a lot about the organization as a whole, you know, just the culture that they built there. I think D'Angelo Russell knows what the Nets can do with the salary cap this offseason. And he sees, like, you know, if I wait and they sign a star, I can come back and play with a star. So I think that speaks a lot to his trust in Sean Marks and just his trust in this organization as a whole. I think my dude D'Lo is just enjoying his time in Spain. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care about free agency. Barcelona, Madrid, Champions League. He's, he's, doing his, he's doing his thing, man. He's doing his thing. And I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the Nets are in the prime position. Um, obviously, 
you know, if I were the Indiana Pacers, Orlando Magic, Utah Jazz, I'd offer probably the max to D'Angelo Russell. You know, Minnesota Timberwolves would have to do a, a lot of different uh, finagling. But now they landed Pablo Prigioni as well as an assistant. Um, D'Angelo Russell did tweet out today uh, a, a nice little sort of heartfelt message towards him. So maybe that gives them, you know, a, a little bit more of a foot in the door. I think obviously the Carl Anthony Towns relationship is, is as strong as any other sort of friendship in the league. We're talking about Kyrie and KD. I think that the relationship between D'Angelo and Carl Anthony Towns, it's like they're, they're biffles. You know, it, it makes me and Nick and, and me and Will look like, you know, chums um, at the end of the day. So I think that there'll be a lot of other teams that'll, that'll uh, are certainly clamoring for your services. And I think that the Nets need to be wary of that too. You know, Sean Marks has obviously been on the other end of it with guys like Otto Porter, you know, Tyler Johnson and the like. Um, but I think that, you know, he needs to think about these sort of situations. Yes, you know, the Knicks were sort of, you know, clearing that sort of cap space to an extent. Obviously, there's been rumors coming around about Chris Apps was going to be leaving no matter what. And now they have that cap space. If they do nothing with it, then obviously, what do, where do they go from there? I think that's in a better position because even if they don't do, you know, a, a huge amount with the free energy spots that they have, I think that they can still improve, you know, incrementally. I don't think that they'll probably, you know, finish higher than like a fifth or a fourth seed, but they can get better if they get just Kyrie and, and keep D'Lo. Um, I think that they just get better just by talent alone. Obviously, you, you get role players around that. You'd like to keep an Ed Davis. You'd like to keep a, a Jared Dudley or a Damari Cowell, that, but that's a, a conversation. And you already added Torian Prince, so that's already, you know, it uh, fills a need. And Torian Prince, and, and just uh, harking back, he's better than what Alan Crabb was last year. So I think that, that we're automatically a better team just right now, even without, you know, and, and I think that obviously you, you lose the perimeter stuff. But um, in terms of, you know, I think that the Nets hopefully will get better. Um, it's for me, the, the Brooklyn Nets are in probably 1A in the, in the most fascinating off seasons with the Lakers and the Knicks. They're in that conversation. And I think that the Brooklyn Nets can go from being a championship contender to being sort of like, you know, you know, a, a fringe playoff contender at the same time, all in the space of an offseason. I think that this offseason is crucial. I know that other guys on, on Nets sort of have advocated for, you know, waiting it out. Let's wait till 2021. Uh, but I, I, I've, I had a bit of a chat with uh, Matt Brooks on, on Twitter, you know, a bit of a back and forth. That sort of free entry class, despite the talent, I don't think any of them would want to go to Brooklyn. Whereas we have guys right now that want to go to Brooklyn. Um, so, you know, it's going to be... You know, if we're counting down the days to June 36 p.m., um, and I don't think it comes soon enough. Yeah, and I think one thing that's interesting on D'Angelo front, getting back to the original topic, um, I think he would prefer to stay in New York because there's a lot of possibilities there. I think he enjoys living in New York. He also has gotten some endorsement deals. He had that tire commercial. You see him with the Old Spice stuff. That type of stuff might not happen if you go to Minnesota or you go to Utah. You're going to have a bigger brand if you play in New York. So I think that's a smart move for D'Angelo, not to kind of cut his ties with the Nets and be upset about it and be like, all right, they don't get a big star. I don't mind going back there. You know, they treat me great. And there's a big opportunity playing in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that he also just likes um, what he did in the locker room this season, too. I mean, he built relationships with guys like Karis LeVert and guys like Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, we saw, you know... I, is there, in terms of how things happen, boys, is there a chance that the Nets end up this offseason worse off than what we were last year? Like, could we end up in a situation where, you know, we have the Enzrust, we have Toy and Prince, um, but, you know, we've destroyed the chemistry? Because this is one thing that I've sort of thought about a little bit more with all these free agency rumors coming out. And obviously, a lot of them have essentially, you know, been related to um, to D'Angelo Russell and his sort of status within the organization. Because, you know, there's so many other guys that are just, you know, the vets. Uh, Karis Levert's obviously there for another season. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is, is enjoying it. Apparently, he's tweeting out popcorn emojis in relation to all these rumors as well. Um, do, are, is, it, is there an, uh, a, a scenario where you think that, the chemistry and cohesion that has been the, the the building block and foundation of this organization is rocked somewhat with all these free agency and trade rumors that have been floating about. I think long as Sean Marks is honest with the guys about it or with their agents or whatever it may be, the communication is there. Like this is something you have to expect in the NBA. It's not like, hey, you you get drafted by this team, you're going to play here the entire career. You know, we talk about there's only a few guys who really do that. So. I think you just have to be open to it and, you know, you handle it as a business, you know, you love the relationship and long as the Nets are treating them good on their way in, good on their way out. I think you just have to look at it that way. The, the chances, did, that a, chances that a team stay together for more than like three years is highly unlikely. But did he, does the Alan Crabb, you know, Instagram post show you that Sean Marks may not be 
the nice, honest guy that we all sort of think he is? Or is that I always felt of... Alan Crabb was distant, in my opinion. I always yeah. felt like okay. there was always time. Like, yo, this dude posts on Instagram like every single day, like five posts. How many times have you seen him post with his teammates? With like, teammates, I just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just never felt like Alan Crabb was fully in. And I always felt – and like you said it, like, dude, Sean Marks got your money. And no offense to Alan Crabb, he's a good player, but he had no business making that type of contract. And Sean Marks got that for him. And if he, Sean Marks doesn't offer him that deal, he's never seeing a contract where he's making – probably over 15 million dollars a year so i get it like being upset and you know you can be upset about it but it's not like he traded you to a terrible team you traded to atlanta you're gonna shoot mad three so it's a business yeah i mean going what do back you to think Jax, will oh, yeah i was gonna say going back to your point earlier um anytime that there's a change in the locker room the chemistry is going to change no matter yeah. if it's good or bad so yeah. i mean obviously guys like jimmy barlow and kyrie irving have had you know rumors swirling around that they're not the best locker room guys or that like you know Kyrie Irving isn't the best leader or Jimmy Butler messes up the chemistry wherever he goes. So if we get a guy like that, obviously you have to be concerned a little bit. And like I said, if, you know, a player is traded or a new player comes in, the locker room chemistry is going to change no matter what. So you have to expect a little bit of a change. And I don't know if, and the change, you know, it's going to depend on how Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, if they come, how do they buy into Kenny's system? And I think also the Nets have some confidence in their organizational structure where, yeah, the locker room chemistry, they can't really necessarily have a huge impact on that, but they can have an impact on the chemistry from the organization from the top to the bottom with coaches, assistant coaches, Sean Marks, the rest of the front office, putting their input in. And like I mentioned on the show yesterday in previous shows, Kyrie's people want him to come to Brooklyn because they think that'll help his career in that terms of chemistry and what's gone wrong in Boston and Cleveland. Yeah, and I think that um, just sort of change your tack a little bit. I think we sort of talked about Torian Prince a little bit. Um, Torian Prince also has a little bit of a history of Kevin Durant, so I've seen on, on Twitter apparently. He's trained with him in the offseason. He's one of his close friends, is really good friends with Kevin. I don't know how much that has an impact on, you know, but um, on the Nets free agency chances of, of landing, you know, the best player in the, in the world right now. Um, but I think it doesn't hurt. Um, did you guys see that? Yeah, we, uh, we mentioned a little bit yesterday. Just, I think it's not necessarily huge, but it's something. It's not nothing. Don't, don't forget Harris is also good yeah, for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that all these things, you know, the, the sort of, you know, combination of it, I, I think it's got to be something because at the end of the day, Kevin Durant seems like a really pure basketballer, despite the fact that, yes, you know, everyone can hate on his personality and whatever. Uh, I think that he just wants to go out there and play basketball to an incredibly high level. And whatever organization gives him the opportunity to sort of uh, achieve whatever goals he may have or, or right any wrongs he may have in his head, um, I think that the Nets certainly give him that shot to to sort of be sort of not necessarily secluded from the the, the whole, you know, media sphere that is uh, New York uh, basketball. But at the same time, you know, I think that he could win a championship if he were to come to the Brooklyn Nets. I think that, you know, if he were to leave the Golden State Warriors, Kyrie were to leave the Boston Celtics, that leaves a void at the top of the of the Eastern Conference. Yes, if if Kawhi were to stay, uh, the Toronto Raptors will probably still remain favorites. I yes, think they the back, though, because of how old they are. Yeah. I still I still think that, that, that Pascal Siakam can get better. Uh, yeah, so but Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol, like I, like I don't think their best basketball is in front of them. It's definitely behind them, especially for Gasol. I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff, though. Um, that's just me in in the space of one season. Maybe something happens in terms of injuries and such, and you know the minutes load or or, or just this, this extended postseason that they haven't experienced before may have some sort of effect when getting into the into the new season. Obviously, you might not be able to rest guys as much and such and such. And, uh, and as well, obviously, the Philadelphia 76ers who still have that young core together and Joel Embiid, whatever happens with him. But um, it, it's uh, the fact that we are already starting to contemplate and to think about the Brooklyn Nets as a top-tier uh, playoff contender is, is is something too exciting to talk about. But um, at the end of the day, like sort of Will said, you know, nothing is done yet. Um, but, you know, surely, you know, the, the fact that you know, Scott Mills and Scott Perry were doing their thing, you know, a couple of months ago in relation to, to freeing up that cap space for this offseason. You would have assumed that, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty confident that Kevin Durant's going to end up on the New York Knicks. Whereas now I feel pretty confident that... <laughs> Look, I'm just saying in I'm the not, sense that... I'm not. I, unless they get Anthony Davis, I don't know why Kevin Durant would go to the Knicks. 
I, I, I don't get it either, but it's Kevin Durant. That's the thing. Like, I don't I was, think he's stupid. Like, I don't think Kevin Durant is stupid. Like, I don't think he's going to go to the Knicks and be like, all right, I'm going to go play with Kemba Walker and win a championship. He wants to go to the Knicks because he wants to, like, build up his legacy. And to build up your legacy, you need to win. And I'm not saying, like, oh, he should definitely come to the Nets. Like, I would go to the Clippers over the Knicks if they don't make a move for Anthony Davis and Kyrie's going to Brooklyn. Like, what am I going to do over there? But is that what, like, I think to maybe a quite a lesser extent, is that what he really values? Is, is I think Kevin, so. The, the whole, I think the whole the, reason yeah. to ahead. bring back New York, like, he wants to be like, all right, LeBron's out in the Lakers. I'm in the Knicks. The Knicks have been trash for the last 19 years. Not trash. They've had some good seasons mixed in, but the overall perspective trash. hasn't been great. great <laughs> out of and then they get Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant wins two or three championships with the Knicks. He brings back the franchise into kind of its glory days. Now his legacy and just the hype of the New York media is going to help boost him in that GOAT conversation, and he's going to take a major jump. So I thought the connection to New York obviously has his business out here, but a lot of it had to do with his legacy. Yeah, and I think the big thing for Kevin Durant is going from, you know, taking the easy way out to win a ring to literally deserving the ring that you win. Because, I mean, right now, a lot of NBA fans don't respect anything about him just because he went to the 73-win Warriors. But um, I think going to a team like the Knicks or Nets, especially where he will be the star, you know, both of those teams don't have an all- – well, D'Angelo Russell is borderline all-star right now. But, like, both of those teams don't have a true star yet. And I think that void is open on both of those teams. So it's kind of just him to choose, you know – do I want to be the star in Brooklyn or do I want to be the star in New York? I, I don't think he's going to go back to the Warriors. And I'll just throw this out there. The one thing that I find the most intriguing about the Kyrie KD link up is that both these guys have always been viewed as like, okay, they helped their team win a ring. They weren't the main reason where I know some of the reports that came out with Kyrie, like there was rumblings behind the scenes that like, Hey, the only reason we won that championship is because I was disgusting in that series. And I was dropping 40 and hitting big bucks buckets and LeBron didn't hit them. I did. And I didn't get the respect that I got deserved in that series. It was all about LeBron. Then Kevin Durant in the same spectrum on the Warriors. Like, yeah, they're, really good before you got here and you just kind of were the finishing touch you're not the reason they won you just helped them win and I think that link up for both those guys is like all right we're boosting our legacy because we did it without those other guys we're going to win a championship together and kind of prove them wrong that we're the reason that those teams are winning all right um rank for me right now the obviously this can change in, in the space of literally like days and a week and obviously with Kevin Durant's health status as well and his Instagram post says as well alluded to give me your top four organizations where Kevin Durant could land in free agency uh, I would, all right so I, the Warriors I think that that's a real possibility that he goes back the Knicks the Nets and the Clippers have to be the top four I mean I don't think yeah, he yeah. joins he wants to rank in them. LA you got to rank, oh, them. rank them. Um, rank them, my dude. We don't make life easy here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I'm going to go Nets 1. I'm going to go Wow. Nets- <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens when he's on the show without you, Jack? He was with me all day yesterday, so I rubbed off him the optimistic way. I think I've lost Nets- my co-hosting spot. <laughs> <laughs> Nets 1, um, Knicks 2, Warriors 3, Clippers 4. Okay, so I'm going to go um, – one Warriors, because I still think that's a real possibility that people are underselling. Like, I, I think there's a possibility he goes back to the Warriors, especially if KD comes back. Like, Corey mentioned this on Twitter today. Say the Warriors go down 3-1, KD comes back, and they win the series. Why is he going to leave? Like, he proved that he's a real reason for that team to win. So I still have the Warriors at number one. I put the Nets and Clippers at a tie for number two slash three, and I put the Knicks last unless they make an AD trade. If they make a trade for Anthony Davis – I could see the Knicks boosting up to either one or two, but until they make a move and they have some other commitment, the fact the Nets have that Kyrie commitment just helps them so much. And the Clippers obviously being in LA and having connection, but a lot of talks been about KD wanting to go to the East. Yeah. um, I'm completely off the wagon when it comes to you guys. I'm going number one, Knicks, number two, Warriors. I just want to hear why. I just want to hear why. Like I need to hear why. I just think that where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a lot of smoke. But the um, smoke is just all of a sudden, it's like the firefighters came and put some of the fire out because now the Knicks, the media is going, oh, the Knicks. Technology is getting out of control. Yeah. There's, there's too much fire right now. They're confident that they're going to get a meeting with Kawhi. Like the, the you know, the energy changed. Like all of a sudden it was like the Knicks are locked to get Kyrie and KD. Now all of a sudden we're talking about a meeting with Kawhi. Like if you were confident that you were going to get KD and Kyrie, you wouldn't drop a news bucket about, you know, getting a meeting with Kawhi. You're not going to get all three. 
Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be probably more than happy to eat my words. There's a lot of takes that I've had in the past that I've, I've been forced to sort of, you know, retract and, and, and sort of say. And I think that's part of the sort of, you know, fun of it all. Um, I've sort of, I'm sort of just, I guess, sticking to my guns in a sense. You know, I, I, I would have, you know, the Knicks number one because I think that uh, despite the, the, the many and plenty rumors, you know, going around since December, you know, since Draymond were, was telling him that we don't need you anymore. Uh, I think that, you know, since he's, you know, his business venture is now located in Manhattan. Um, I think that there is some sort of a lure to KD. I'm not saying to everyone else, to KD that he thinks that the New York Knicks organization can provide him with some sort of opportunity to write a new narrative for himself. If they were to just make the playoffs behind him, if they were to finish with the top four seed or finish with the finals, Katie can do that by himself. I think he, he is that good. And I think he is still right now in his prime for the next maybe one or two seasons. Uh, I think, think playoffs by himself. I don't know about going to the finals. You, I think no matter what team you're on, you need some type of other all star. They'll like, get it, but you're saying that they're not going to get anyone else. Like there's that, like ninety percent of the league is going to be free agents, and I think that. Oh, like who would be the other guy? Like if you, if you're, you think Kemba Walker and Kevin Durant are going to go to the finals? I think in the East that they could, and I think if you had the pieces they around could, them, but like, do you? I, I wouldn't say they'd be better. Like hypothetically, if the Bucks were to come back, I think the Bucks would be better. You mentioned the Raptors; I think the Raptors would probably be better. And then you know, whatever happens with Boston, we're not really sure what's going to happen with that team. You could even make an argument that Pacers are better than them if they just have KD and Kemba, because the rest of the roster is that's, like that, that's why, that's why like. I think Katie by himself is almost better than the Pacers. Uh, you know, especially yes, it's a team game, Jack. Like it's not you could be one player, I'm, but you still need other players. Like I, I agree with that, but when you have one player who has as great as KD, similar to LeBron, I have him on that status. You can drag a team and of scrubs around you to be infinitely great. And I think KD has that desire, has that motivation to do so. And I'm not gonna say that they're gonna have Timothy Mozgov, Aman Shumpert, and Matthew Delvadova around him. And yes, obviously, Kevin Knox and Alonzo Tria aren't going to be the guys that can take them to the finals. I just think that there are going to be other moves that the New York Knicks will make. This is seeming like I'm coming up at, I'm going to be making my own Knicks podcast. But I That's like what it discussion. seems like, Jack. I don't know if you're on the right show right now. <laughs> I love this discussion, to be honest, because this is just reminds me of me arguing with the Knicks every single week in JBT. Um, I just think that the Knicks are going to make other moves. And I don't think that they're in a horrible spot with the space that they've created. Obviously, the rumors relating to, to Kemba Walker right now are that, you know, Charlotte wants to retain him. There's people saying that they shouldn't. Um, but obviously, $80 million at the end of the day, $80 million is a lot of money. So, And I personally think that KD and Kemba is a better fit than KD and Kyrie because I think Kemba would be much more willing to do what Kyrie did alongside LeBron James where he was sort of the secondary option but not in the sense that it dulls away from any of his talents. And I think KD is the alpha. Wherever he goes, it's, K it's Kevin Durant's team. Whereas I think Kyrie Irving still has this mentality where it's just like, this is my team, I'm the guy. And in Boston, in Boston this season, yeah, he proved that, but he didn't prove it at the most important time. And he proved it in the sense, and he proved it in a way that sort of almost destroyed the chemistry of his team. Um, so yes, I'm obviously, you know, uh, um, incredibly positive in the fact that if I were to be a Brooklyn Net, I would love him on my team. But I'm not saying that, you know, he has, he's a perfect player. You know, I would much prefer Kyrie Irving on the Brooklyn Nets and Kemba Walker um, because obviously Kyrie Irving just has this more cachet and talent in general. But I think in terms of building a team, Kemba Walker is better. And I think, you know, you can chuck out a lot of mid-tier guys that would want to play with Kevin Durant as well. Um, uh, there, there are plenty of names out there through trade, free agency that we just haven't thought about and that you guys will be deep diving, obviously, in the outlet and plenty of free agency specials. But um, I'm, I'm not saying that the, 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 the gap between the Knicks and the Nets is, is so great that I think that, you know, the Nets are completely out of the conversation. Um, I just, I guess I'm holding true to my guns. I just think that like you're undervaluing other teams in the East. And like, if it was that easy to just be one guy and go to a team and go to the finals, look at LeBron. Like we all going to the season, LeBron's the best player in the NBA. We all would have agreed on that. Go to that the West though. Yeah, but the East is making up ground on the West. Like, it's not like the the East was terrible this year. Like, the top four teams in the East were better than the top four teams in the West this season. But are you like I still think Kevin Durant is is heading like on his day, and for the most part, he has shown to be an incredibly durable and sustainable player. On his day, 
He's the best player. I think it's a, a conversation between Kevin Durant and LeBron James. And, and I mean, you make the argument going to next season with Giannis and Kawhi. Like, the Kawhi and Giannis aren't that far behind Kevin Durant that it's like, oh, God, like, they're I, so I, much better. I, I don't think, think so. I don't think like Kawhi's two-way ability and Giannis, like, if he adds even the, the hint of a jump shot, like, his physical dominance. Like, Kevin Durant is a better player, but if you were to tell me at the end of next season that you thought one of the other two guys was better, I wouldn't think that you're crazy. I think the jump is a possibility. I don't think it's like, oh, Kevin Durant is up here, Giannis and Kawhi are down here. It's more like right there, and they could possibly keep moving up because they're younger. And Kevin Durant, he, you know, he does stay relatively healthy, but he's missed plenty of time. Like, if he were to miss 15 games and the team was super dependent on him, and now all of a sudden he jumps to the bottom, like, he's yet to prove that he can do what LeBron does. Like, he ha hasn't had to carry a team at the level that LeBron has. Like, he played extremely good for the Warriors this year. But, hey, they still had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green on the court. Yeah, and I think that given the right situation, I think that he can prove that. Um, and that's why, you know, I think that, that uh, the motivation for Kevin Durant to do that, I think the Knicks sort of give him that opportunity. And I think that maybe there is some part of his mind where it's just like, I want to do this by myself. I want to prove something, you know, as Kevin Durant. And, you know, I'm going to do what, you know, LeBron James, one of the other greatest players of all time, has done. Um, and, I, yeah, I do agree that, you But know, even LeBron didn't do it by himself. The year he did go to the finals by himself, he just got embarrassed. And the East was terrible that year because the Celtics, who were supposed to be the best team, were missing Gordon Hayward and Kyrie. So it was just kind of like... If LeBron played with that Cleveland team that he did last year in the East this year, he would not get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think he... I don't think he would. I would put money on it that he wouldn't. Like, that that's underselling how good the Bucks were. That's underselling how good the, the, um, the Raptors are. And even to a lesser extent, the Sixers. Like, that Cavs team got somewhat lucky because the teams that they faced in that line in the Eastern Conference playoffs just weren't that good. And the Raptors team choked to them in Boston missing all their players and even like the matchup they had against Cleveland in the first round or that might not have been last year or the year before like they almost lost that series as well I just think that Kevin Durant and LeBron James are two of the best playoff performers in the history of the game um and I'm not saying you know where they rank obviously you know you, that's a conversation for another day but I think that that's where they set themselves apart and I think Kai Week Kaiwee Kawhi that's when that what happened what there's the, a design there's a design there's a, there's a design tree, Jed, for you, Kai Wee. Um, I, I think that Kai, um, Kawhi has, you know, um, made that gap a little bit shorter. But I, I'm still somewhat worried about Kawhi and, and whether he's ever going to get back to 2017 MVP um, and whether, you know, he's ever going to play 82 games again or, so, or at least 75, as well as, you know, um, the sustained success in the playoffs. I don't think he's been, you know, sensational in this in these playoffs right now. I think the he's last been... two rounds, I think he dropped off, but against the Philly series, he's about as good as you could be. That was that was a, a, an incredible run. That was some of the best playoff basketball as well. I think that those three guys are the best playoff um, performers in the in the game right now. Stephen Curry as well. Um, I think you know doesn't get enough love because I think he's just had durability and consistency. Um, but I, I think that we're we're going down a tangent here a little bit um, <laughs> that I enjoy, <laughs> that 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 I do enjoy that I'm that I'm unsure Will even knows what we're talking about. Not yeah. really, guys. What's going on? <laughs> uh, pretty much we we're determining if Kevin Durant can take the Knicks by himself to a oh, finals appearance yeah. or Eastern Conference. That's what I, I was on that side as well. I think the East has really made up some ground, and there's some really good teams in the East. If you were the Knicks were to do an amazing job, and let's say they signed a good free agent saying, you know, Kemba Walker, and then they used the rest of their trade assets to trade for, like, Bradley Beal, maybe. Like, I still think you need two all-stars to really I, have a chance at a championship. I think the Bucs are still the best team in the East, in my opinion. I would say I'll hold off on the Bucks just because the Bucks team could dramatically change over the offseason. If they bring back Middleton and Brooke Lopez, I think they are the best team in the East. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't I don't doubt that the, the Eastern Conference. Going to the Knicks. They yeah. lose yeah. a lot of depth, though. That's the only thing I'd be concerned with. Like, uh, even having Middleton and Brooke Lopez, one reason they're so good is they had so many good players this year. They just had a lot of really good players on their team that you just don't think about or you don't think they're necessarily great, but having a combination of all those guys is just – it works out perfectly. I think Brogdon's probably gone, and I thought he was you know, obviously not important in the first round, but when he came back, I thought he played an impact. In terms of um, – I, I guess I'll just throw this out there right now. The Nets land Kyrie Irving. They keep D'Angelo Russell, Torian Prince, and they add some – pieces the Morris brothers or whoever it might be I know um, our boy D-Rock has brought up the Morris brothers I'm um, pretty consistently in the chat right now 
Um, where does that leave? You know, obviously, if we're projecting way forward, we're months and months and months away from the regular season. But let's hypothesize we've been doing it for the past 10 minutes anyway. Um, where would the Brooklyn Nets be? I sort of, you know, alluded to, you know, top four or whatever it might be. Where do you lads think if, if the Nets were to land Kyrie, keep D'Lo, uh, Torian Prince, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, this is your sort of team, Rodion's Kuritz, and then you had players around it. Um, where does that leave the, the Brooklyn Nets? I think that team is not as good as Toronto or Milwaukee or Philadelphia. So I think that would be the fourth seed because I think they are better than Boston. I think that they would be better than Indiana at that point. So I would say fourth seed would be realistic for that team. Yeah, since they do not, they wouldn't have the elite type of player, you know, that, that top five, that top ten type of player or just have a ton of all-stars in the team unless, you know, Karis LeVert makes a huge jump, an, another jump, and then you see, you know, Jared Allen make a big jump. I think there's a possibility for a lot of improvement. It's harder to really put a seat on. I don't think they get one or two and most likely not three, but they could jump up to four. And I could see the win total pop up again just because there's so many young guys that can improve. And going to the following season, you're not like, all right, we're capped out. You're still looking at guys like Rodion's and Jared Allen. You're like, you know, these guys are really young. Like they're going to improve for the next two to three seasons. They're not going to just stop after one year. Do you guys believe in Kyrie as a playoff performer despite this um, you know, lackluster postseason? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I do. I mean, he hit that really clutch shot in the 2016 finals. He's been a good playoff performer in his career. Obviously, he got knocked out by a team that won 60 games this year. And he did win that one game against Milwaukee this postseason. I think it's a little overblown that shot in um, – 2016 but I still think that he's a very clutch playoff performer and I think that he can if he has enough talent around him he can make a good run a good playoff run with solid players around him yeah I think one of the issues for the Boston team in the playoffs this year was the lack of other playmakers it was like Kyrie creating the other guys weren't able to kind of create in the offense it was more so creating for themselves and both the Pacers and the Bucks did a great job of just kind of locking in on Kyrie and making his life more difficult having another ball handler and I think like we've talked about before, Jack, his best success really came in Cleveland when he played next to LeBron and had someone to take some of the pressure off the room. Having a D'Angelo Russell or Karis Levert will help him do that. Or, or a Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Yeah, um, exactly. Spencer, who I feel like we don't even talk about enough, and even if they were to make all these big moves, they're bringing up you know, a six-man off the bench, like Jack mentioned, who could win six-man of the year, a really, really good player. And then it kind of makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. Hey, Kyrie's going to miss 15 games this season. All right, we're going to put in Spencer, who's a starting-level player. Yeah, and then I think that that's one thing as well. You know, I think that you there's you can have a glut of guards in this league. Um, I think that you know we've sort of you look back on on postseason success for a lot of teams, and the best teams, the championship teams, are generally have an elite superstar wing. You know, the guards, and this is just purely subjectively looking at you know the past teams. The Golden State Warriors, it's Kevin Durant. The Cleveland Cavaliers, it's LeBron James. Um, you know, the, the Miami Heat, it's LeBron James. Uh, the Boston Celtics, it's Paul Pierce. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers, it's Kobe Bryant, who's a, not a point guard. I don't think, and maybe this might be somewhat of an, an irrational take, but in this today's day and age, and with today, unless, you know, I guess it's, you know, maybe Stephen Curry proved that to an extent. Uh, 2015, this point. they won with no real true dominant wing. It was mostly just, you know, Curry and Clay. And Draymond, he's a two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I think that at the same time, um, I, I think that Steph wasn't insane and wasn't like you know the guy. I think it was the collective that season that the Golden State Warriors were like they were sort of earlier in, in this sort of series. You know, it wasn't Stephen Curry putting up forty-seven points like he did the other night, and obviously, you know, sort of what LeBron was doing, you know, in in, in previous finals iterations as well. I don't think in today's day and age, um, unless the point guard is so transcendent, which is essentially only Stephen Curry, you can win a championship unless you have a superstar wing. Um, that might be, that's a take that could probably be talked about for hours on end, but that's just something I want to put out there. If the Nets don't get a Kevin Durant, they don't get a Jimmy Butler, who is a wing-ish type, Tobias Harris, I don't think he's that elite level, You know, Kawhi Leonard, I don't think the Nets are going to be a championship contender until that happens or until they have the collective like with the Golden State Warriors, that exceeds the talent required of what one superstar wing provides you. And one way they could possibly get there, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but uh, D-Rocks mentioned this, the $15 million trade exception could be something they use to make a move for another player either during the offseason or Anthony during Davis. the season. Oh, Who would he say? Anthony Davis. In a oh, Anthony. <laughs> I mean, 
uh, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Obviously, the Torian Prince and trading two first-round picks make that a little bit less likely. But there's other guys out there and other guys become available where, hey, maybe we add this guy. And like Jack mentioned, maybe he's an elite talent or maybe it just boosts your team unit up to another level. I don't think whatever happens this offseason, like I still feel fine. The Nets don't get anybody. If they get Kyrie, there's still options on the table. They're not locked in with a, a ton of bad contracts and players they can't move that other teams don't want. I think that at the end of the day, what I'm hoping is a long-term goal, and I'm assuming it is anyway. Um, obviously, you want to get the superstar talent because that is essentially what provides the bums on the seats, you know, the, the selling of the merchandise, the, the, the greatest success in general. Um, but I think that you need, obviously, to have that. But at the same time, sustained success, now obviously, finals uh, and the like is, is the goal. But I think sustained success should continue to be the overarching goal of this Brooklyn Nets organization. If you get Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell, does that give you long-term sustained success? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I've, I haven't analyzed it enough, and I don't. We haven't analyzed it enough because we don't have him, like Will said. Um, so I think that in the in the greater realms of possibility, in the, in the in the overarching picture, I think that the goal needs to be long-term success, San Antonio Spurs style, which Sean Marks has a history with, rather than flash in the pan success which I guess is what a lot of other teams have had over the years. Um, you want to build a long-term contender, a team that continue to build and you know get good draft uh, acquisitions, get guys that can uh, impact your team long-term that are young. Um, and, and, I, and I think that there is the a, a very minor possibility that that could not be the case if the Nets were to just go all in, you know, they throw all their chips in uh, and then someone else happens to have pocket aces or something um, yeah, a, lot think, of, a lot of metaphors and similes in today's episode i'm enjoying it i think uh if the the risky thing that would be that would kind of lead to that non-long-term success because i think the nets are okay if even if they get Kyrie and they don't make that jump because there's so many other players on the team that can improve like we could we probably haven't seen the best from karis Avert. we probably haven't seen the best from rodeons jared allen d'angelo russell the only thing that would probably scare you but it's almost worth taking the risk is if you make the move for Anthony Davis because then you're you're pushing all your chips forward. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. All right, bring yeah. in AD. But who who's to say that you're not going to – like if you have Kyrie, KD, and AD, I'm taking that risk every day of the week. You know, someone, oh, yes, please. Someone pulls pocket aces on me, I don't care. Like this is the smart money plays. This analytics is going to say you're going to go out and get three of the top 15 players and two of the top six players in the league. You're going to do it if you have the opportunity. And I think that's why you just take the swing. And like – it's not like the Nets have already committed. It's not like they're in a trade or anything. They opened up cap space. The 17 pick for Torian Prince in a, a draft where Prince is probably better than whoever they get short-term and long-term in terms of that spot. And then you gave up the protected pick for next year, which is if you're going to make the playoffs, I don't think you're super concerned. And if you really want another first-round pick, I think there's players on your roster you could probably flip for another pick. And then you're looking at Musa, a guy who is kind of a slow development in terms. Like he could be good next year. It might take another year. He's just a young guy you have. There's plenty of guys on the roster that could pop. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, touching on Mr. a little bit there, I think that he's essentially just another draft pick and an asset that we have um, yeah. that has had his moments in the organization. Similar to say maybe, you know, I'm not comparing the talent levels, I'm comparing the situational levels where Ben Simmons had that sort of red shirt year, so to speak, and then comes in and becomes, you know, the rookie of the year. You know, Musa sort of has had that development sort of year. He, he was healthy, um, which is a much more positive aspect. But um, yeah, I think... I think it's hard not to just think what the worst case scenario is. Um, but I think the worst case scenario isn't that horrible, you know, in comparison to say the worst case scenarios we have had as an organization in the past. Um, D-Rock has just brought up, I guess we'll finish with this one, Nick. How plausible is it that Katie wants to play with Russell rather than Kyrie? I think it's probably unlikely. Just considering yeah. where KD's at in his career, I mean, and, and there's a relationship already between Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like, they're good friends. There is a relationship between D'Angelo Russell and KD, but it's more probably like, all right, what's up, young man? Like, it's like when you're a senior in high school and, you know, maybe he's like a sophomore and you're just like, young what's up? Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, KD's 30. D'Lo's, what, 22, 23? Nick's, Nick's got the cool lingo right there. What's up, young man? <laughs> put that on a t-shirt <laughs> but i'm just saying i think there's just more of a connect and they're seeing more eye to eye between Kyrie and kd and i think kd would feel more confident with Kyrie as his you know wingman in the situation d'angelo russell who wasn't all-star last year but did struggle in the playoffs and is kind of yet to be a proven playoff performer yeah i think that um 
it's unlikely. It's not um, impossible or horribly unlikely. It's not the 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 most impossible thing that could happen. But I think that you know it, it's Kyrie that's the allure for Kevin Durant. Exactly. Brooklyn. That's one hundred percent, and that's what changes my confidence level. If, if there was no talk about Kyrie wanting to come to Brooklyn, I wouldn't really feel good about KD. I'd probably be in the similar percentages to you in terms of KD to Brooklyn. But the fact is that Kyrie wants to play here, and that's a major you know chip right there. It's like you're at a negotiation with somebody, and you know one of the other guys at the table, and he's a good friend of yours. You're gonna feel more confident in the deal, and if you're going in there and not knowing anybody or just having kind of like, oh, I've seen his face type of thing. Yeah, I think Lekeston um, jumped in the chat as well. Karras and Prince will drag KD to the Nets. I don't think that they'll necessarily drag him, but I think that they are bigger allures than what D'Angelo Russell is. We yeah. sort of talked about early in the episode with Will, um, the, the relationships, you know, the established relationships that he has with those two players already. You know, they've worked out together. There is, you know, D'Angelo Russell, like you sort of said, you know, he's a, he's a what's up young man relationship. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it's, it, it's all these juggling dice and, I can't think of any metaphors. I'm out of metaphors right now. Come on, uh, Jack. <laughs> dude, it's 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 nine. It's not even nine thirty on a Saturday in Melbourne. Right now. <laughs> Just give me a break, my dude. Um, but there, there's plenty. There's still plenty of of cards on the table. There we go. I'm back. Um, there's plenty there of go. cards on the table when it comes to the free agency with the Brooklyn Nets. Nothing is set in stone. Um, but now that, like, finally, I remember us talking in the in the regular season just about uh, how locked off the Brooklyn Nets organization was. When it comes to, I guess I'll finish with this question. I guess to an extent, um, the, how locked off they were during the regular season when it came to like injuries and not letting anything out and that sort of thing. It was a very close knit and, and, and tight ship that Sean Mar- Sean Marks ran when it came to the media. Has your perception changed in relation to the Brooklyn Nets organization when it comes to um, you know because obviously Woj, Colin Cowherd, Stephen A. Smith, Pooch have to be getting this news from someone within the organization. It, it, whether it be from the highest up, whether it be from the assistants, whether it be from the ball boys, whoever it might be, does this change your perception from a negative or positive or whatever it might be? Uh, not really. I think it's purposely dropped. Like, I think this is just like, hey, the Nets are coming. There's like some different type of confidence about the Nets, and that's been in the reports. Like, I think they're dropping this information. You know, Kyrie wants to come to the Nets that came from his people. The Nets saying they have mutual interest, and it's from guys that have good connection. We mentioned Pooch. I think Brian Lewis mentioned it as well. So I think it's all in terms of a strategy. You know, it doesn't really change my opinion. I think it's better for them if you're trying to draw KD in the situation and you know Kyrie has to be there to bring KD in, you're going to kind of bring that out. So I think uh, it's all everything Sean Marks does is for a reason. I don't think he just is like, hey, um, let them know this today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Oh, I'll, I'll throw out. Uh, let's finish on a card analogy. The the Nets have we're, we're playing Texas Hold'em, my dudes. What do the Nets have right now when it comes to you know the the card, the hand that we have to get all these free agents and and be that championship contender that we want? Um, I guess I'll start us off. I think we got, I think we got like a Jack Queen right now. You know, we got some royalty going. This it's a confident hand, but um, you know. There's no king and ace just yet for me. Guess what? I don't play poker, so I got nothing for you. Oh, yeah, come on, man. I was going to say the same thing. I've never oh. played poker a day in my life. Fellas, <laughs> please, please. What are we talking about here? Um, Get down to Poughkeepsie <laughs> Casino, whatever it is, or Main <laughs> Casino, whatever they got down there in the, the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, I mean, I think what the Nets do have in their benefit, if I'm just going off of what they have, they have a young team. They have rising stars in the team. I think, importantly, they have an organization that treats players right. Kenny has gotten the most out of guys. And then you look at possibly playing with Kyrie. So now you have a couple different components and a couple of small relationships with Prince and Levert. You feel good. And you feel good, I think, about being you know, Kevin Durant, who is 30, having guys in this team that can get better and possibly help carry you a little bit farther down the line. Yeah, I think my point was just going to be that, you know, the Nets are already a playoff team with young pieces. So I think that's just a huge play for free agents. You know, Kevin Durant could look at the Nets and he could look at the Knicks and he could say, you know, the Knicks were just the worst team in the league. Meanwhile, the Nets just won 42 games without, you know, a star on their team. So I think that's a huge factor. And then the other huge factor that, you know, the Nets kind of preach is culture and that the Nets have had, you know, a lot of, veterans just preach about how well run the organization is so i think that plays a huge factor as well 
Yeah, I swear to God, Jared Dudley's almost a lock to come back to the roster because the amount of work he's doing on Twitter and just like helping the Nets already <laughs> right now, I, I, I feel pretty confident about him being back with the Nets. Well, next year. well, hold on. He just bought a house in LA, so we can't confirm it just yet. I mean, come on. He's played in the NBA for mad long. He's got plenty of money. He could probably buy a house in like 20 states. Yeah. All right, guys. Any final thoughts? Or are we out of here? Uh, just going to thank Adrian Dizon for the final comment. It wouldn't mind if Brooklyn take a look at Al Horford. We've talked about him a little bit. I think when we, yeah, I think we'll talk about in depth, uh, a lot more on specific free agents possibilities as you know, the final starts to wrap up and, and that's coming very soon. My guys. I'm interested in, in terms of Kyrie and Al Horford's relationship. Is it a good one, a bad one? We don't really know a ton about that situation, but he spoke it. He spoke about it a little bit in very sort of generic terms. You know, <laughs> that doesn't make when, <laughs> Well, and, and I think like you know Al Horford, um, you'd sort of look into you read into the tea leaves to an extent when Kyrie Irving was sort of saying we need a vet to sort of you know hold this down. I'm uh, as soon as he said that, I'm like. What is Al Horford to you right now? Like, like, this is a guy that's been around the league for plenty of time, has had success, you know, hasn't won a championship, but like, he's not an old head Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A. Jackson, Stephen Jackson sort of guy. Maybe um, too nice. That's it, and that's the sort of thing. Like, I don't know. Obviously, the personality probably isn't the greatest mesh, but in any organization where you work, you're going to have guys that you don't get along with, and I think that um, how you can still have a productive relationship with them um is what determines the success you have individually and as a collective and i think the boston celtics were were a fresh were a reflection of the fact that they couldn't do it in a positive manner um and obviously Kyrie irving is you know the sort of alpha guy the guy with the shoe deals the guys with the movies the guys with the wheaties boxes um and you need to, to tailor around him to an extent uh, it's there's so many you know fascinating talking points around the book and that's free agency right now um and D-Rock's obviously bringing up Anthony Davis as well. But uh, we could chat for Brooklyn Nets for hours and hours on end, guys. But um, I need to go to the supermarket. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> he needs to eat. All right. As always, appreciate everybody checking in, listening, viewing on YouTube, dropping the questions and comments. We love the activity. If you guys want us to do this more regularly every Friday, this could be something we could look into, especially with the offseason coming up. Jack, Will, always a pleasure talking Nets with you. Check us out, iTunes, Bob Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, netsbug.com, Dash Radio, and obviously YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.